Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Samia's doing good this morning. That's about all I heard. <laughs> How you doing, Howard? I'm well, man. Howard's doing well. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know God is on the throne when Howard's wearing his flip-flops. <laughs> because we, we saw Howard have to walk around with that boot and scoot around with that boot. And uh, to see him walking around uh, in flip-flops in the rain does me good. It make, lets me know that God is a healing God. Amen. Uh, we, uh, you know, David had mentioned that we, we have people from all over that wind up watching our, our podcast, and, or actually watching our live stream uh, on Facebook. One, someone who's always faithful to watch just about every week is uh, Jan Brown uh, up in Marion, Indiana. Actually, her granddaughters are sitting right over here, Rachel and Riley Carpenter. Uh, but uh, Jan Brown's always so sweet. She'll say hi and everything else, comment on there. Jan, if you're watching, we're praying for you. Uh, her, her, her father, Elwin, uh, passed away about a week ago, 100 years old. He lived to be 100 years old. So, so what, a, what a blessed life. Uh, and, and now he's reunited with, with his wife and other loved ones. And, and, uh, but, but at the same time, even though you, it, it's hard to mourn 100, year, 100 years, you celebrate it. But at the same time, that's still, that's still Jan's dad, you know. Uh, and that's still a loss. So, so uh, we're, we're lifting you up. Uh, if you're watching Jan Brown, uh, we're, we're lifting you up. And also, thank you for the gift that you sent, uh, the, the uh, Jeremiah's study Bible, Dr. Jeremiah's study Bible. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, I usually don't do this. Uh, uh, I don't make a practice of trying, trying to endorse anything from, from the pulpit per se, uh, other than what we come here to do, but but the Lord uh, a few weeks ago kind of moved on me to do this. Um, uh, if you have not met Paul and Becky Jones yet, uh, wave your hands. Wave your, yeah, Paul's saying, "How come you haven't met me yet? I'm just sitting right over here. Come on over here." Uh, now, if you've not gotten to meet them or heard their story, they've got an incredible uh, story and testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness. It was about 25 years ago. About 25 years ago. Paul had a brain aneurysm at a church picnic, of all things. Twenty-six. Well, are you are you actually going to celebrate? We always celebrate life. Oh, okay. Well, he's celebrating his life. That's good. That's good. Uh, uh, and and of course, we know with with Carrie's story with Bob and Carrie, uh, just what what a miracle it is for anyone to survive. Uh, brain aneurysms. So, so Paul is here worshiping with us, and, and they've moved into the neighborhood from Weatherford. Um, and and uh, so, of course, when it, when it happened 25 years ago, Becky had to become the source of income for the family, and so she started a cleaning business. And uh, most of her clients are still in Weatherford, uh, which means that you know, that's less time that she's able to, to spend with Paul and caring for Paul. So uh, the Lord just kind of moved on me, the, you know, spoke to me the other week and said, we've got an entire village here <laughs> of people that use uh, uh, cleaning services. So, so uh, I'm praying that the Lord just opens the door for most of her clientele to be right here in the neighborhood. That way she doesn't have to leave Paul. So she, she actually came over and made the Dave Cave glisten <laughs> right, before, right before dinner with Dave. 
uh, this the, the other week. So uh, I just want to say this. I, I highly recommend her. Uh, if any of you are looking for a cleaning service, like I said, I don't typically get up and give commercials for people's businesses from the pulpit, but uh, I just feel like the Lord is wanting to bless our family, uh, and, and she, they are family and uh, have committed to gathering church. So, uh, and, and if you don't need a cleaning service, just be praying. Lift, in, lift them up in prayer that the Lord would open up the doors for them. Amen? So uh, we've got something really cool that we're going to be doing with the sermons and, and uh, David came and approached me last week and said, hey, let's do this. Uh, Aaron, if you want to hop over. Uh, during my sermon, or even after my sermon, if you want to go to this link, gatheringviridian.org, front slash question, uh, you can, if, if there's something in the sermon that piques a question, or maybe you want to know a little bit more about, you know, because you know, we have a finite amount of time to kind of dive in. Y'all wouldn't necessarily be enjoying it if I'm like preaching two and a half hours or something like that, you know? Uh, so, so with every sermon, there's always a wealth of other rich soil to dig into that, that most churches, you know, we, we don't get time to do that. So if you wind up with a question or, or maybe something that you want to add to it or, or whatever, uh, send, go, go, to, go to that link. You can, you can type in your question and uh, probably, you know, typically, we haven't necessarily set a day yet, but, but we're eyeballing pretty much on Tuesdays, uh, we'll sit down and do a podcast and, and try to answer some of the questions or talk about some of the things that, that maybe folks want to highlight it and just do a little bit deeper dive on the subject matter. Um, matter of fact, there's already a podcast from last week pertaining to last week's sermon, and we sat down and kind of did a, a test drive of it, so you can go out to the podcast page on gatheringviridian.org and, and uh, kind of get into that. So that's, that's really kind of a neat um, interact, interactive feature. So, and during the course of the sermon, uh, the sermon you may see the graphic come back up uh, just to remind you of the link. And, and, uh, or if you want to sit there and say, I disagree with you, Dave, on this point. Well, well you can do that, you know? Does, you know. I'm not like the end all of spiritual truth or anything, right? You know, hey, I'm just like you guys. I'm growing and learning and everything else. So, uh, you know? We can, we can agree to disagree on some things and agree on the things that we come together with. That's, that's how the body works. The Bible says come together in, the, in, in, in a unity of spirit so that you can come together in the unity of truth eventually. Amen? Uh, so we're going to be talking about Pentecost again. Next week, May 23rd, is actually Pentecost Sunday. And so we're, we're doing a, a little bit of a deeper dive to show the relevance of what was Pentecost all about. Uh, is it just the fact that it was the birthday of the church? It's when God birthed his church. Uh, it's when, is it just the fact that that's when he poured out his Holy Spirit upon his church to empower folks? Was it the fact that uh, some of the gifts of the Spirit became evident that day? Uh, was it the fact that uh, he established, you know, over 3,000 people came to a saving knowledge of Christ that day? All of those things, yes, that, that's part of it. But Pentecost actually runs far deeper than that. Pentecost actually runs far deeper than just a group of people trying to come up with a denomination. You know, I mean, I, I actually grew up Pentecostal. And, and uh, at the same time, never had anyone sit down and we, we never did a deep dive into the significance of Pentecost. So last week, if you were here last week, I laid foundation. If you weren't here last week, I really highly encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast 
uh, on gatheringviridian.org, go to the podcast page and you can, you can click it. It's just, uh, just the audio of the sermon. Or you can go back and watch the service on Facebook. It, it should still be archived on the timeline there. But uh, so, so what we're going to do is build on top of what we learned last week. You remember we said that Pentecost was almost a replay, a miniature replay of what took place on Mount Sinai. You know, they had Passover uh, in Egypt, the first Passover, and then 50 days later, you have this Mount Sinai experience. And, and some of the things that took place in the upper room, the rabbis teach many of those things took place in Sinai. When in, at Mount Sinai, God gave Moses the Torah, or the word Torah means teaching in Hebrew. He gave him the law of God or the word of God. Uh, we, we, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but and Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah prophesied, said, I'm going to make a new covenant with my people, and I'm going to put my word deep in their hearts. I'm not going to have to write it on stone tablets anymore, but I'm going to put my word deep in their hearts, prophesying about the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh on the day of Pentecost, okay? Uh, just a little recap from last week. So, so now we don't have to live by stone tablets. We don't have to live by a set of rules. The rule is in our heart via the Holy Spirit. That's why when you come to the Lord, even if you're just a babe in Christ, all of a sudden you can't do some of the things that you used to do. Why? Because you've been changed. You've been altered. You're not bound by the law of sin and death anymore. You, the, the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden that's why you, you go to do something and you're like, ah, it just doesn't feel right anymore. I shouldn't do that. Or, Ooh, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say it. Or, nope, I'm not going to respond that way. What is that? It's the law of God in you that's coming alive via the Holy Spirit, which was poured out on the day of Pentecost to, to all flesh. But today, so where last week we learned about Sinai and its connection, Mount Sinai and its connection. Today we're going to learn a word called Shavuot. Everyone say Shavuot. Shavuot. It's a Hebrew word. So we're going to go from Shavuot to the upper room to Pentecost. And, and what does that have to do with Pentecost? Pentecost has everything to do with the, the, the grain harvest. The grain harvest. Say, what in the world is that? Uh, we're we're going to explain, all right? But everyone got your thinking caps on because it's like last week. Remember the theme to Smokey and the Bandit? Got a long way to go and a short time to get there, right? So watch old Bandit run, all right? Watch old Pastor Dave run here. We're going to go through this really quick. So let's read the account of Pentecost one more time this week. Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now Christ has already ascended, and he told me, he said, I want you to go back into Jerusalem, and I want you to tarry and wait, because I'm going to send my comforter back, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So they were there for a few days, about 120 of them, just praying and waiting, waiting to see what God's going to do. This is what happened. So they were together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was significant because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would just come on certain people. You know, he'd come on Samson, and Samson would do these mighty miracle, you know, miraculous uh, feats of strength. Or he would come on a prophet and he would prophesy. Or he'd come on you know, David and he would write a prophetic song. Well, now the Holy Spirit has come upon everybody. So, and, and, and the Holy Spirit, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. 
At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. So you got all these people from Galilee, which were blue-collar fishermen, and yet now they're multilingual. They're, they're speaking about stuff. Well, what are they speaking about? You'll find out here. It says, verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. So there's about 16 languages they just listed. And we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. So these people were speaking the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. And all, why? Because God wanted to make sure in every major language that the gospel was being preached when he was, when he was putting his word down in everybody's heart via the Holy Spirit. Same thing that happened at Mount Sinai. The rabbis teach that when the Ten Commandments were given, it was... It was it was spoken simultaneously in every language that, that they would have known living in Egypt because Egypt was a, a multicultural epicenter, right? Verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, oh, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. He's saying the bars ain't even open, man. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. This is powerful. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in and he turns your world upside down. Look at this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. What? You mean my kids are going to prophesy? That's usually the, the great prophets prophesy. He said, no, even your kids will have this ability. Your young men will see visions. Now that's huge because usually it's the old wise sages that would have visions and would be the mystics and spiritualists, right? He goes, no, your young men are going to do that. And he says, and your old men will dream dreams. Well, old guys aren't supposed to dream dreams. You're supposed to have a dream when you're young because then you got time to fulfill the dream. But the Holy Spirit is like, no, I'm going to anoint everybody. Even old guys are going to have dreams and they're going to have the ability to fulfill it. Verse 18, in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. The word prophesy also can be uh, translated as they will minister Okay, so for all the people out there that, that don't believe in women preachers, well, guess what? The Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm entering into both men and women, and they're going to have the ability to minister my word, minister my kingdom. The Bible says that in the kingdom of God, there's neither male nor female. In other words, in other words God's going to use whoever he wants to use. Amen? So... In order to understand Pentecost all the more, we're going to have to understand what Shavuot is, okay? But in order to understand what Shavuot is, we got to go back to Passover. We talked about it a little bit last week. Everyone say Passover. Passover. All right, so we remember, just to cover a little bit of what we talked about last week, Passover, 
The original Passover took place in Egypt. It's when God said, look, I'm about to break y'all out of here. And, and what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my death angel and, and I'm going to kill the firstborn son of every household. Now, for you to escape, I want you, my people, to escape this wrath. So what I want you to do is take a lamb or a goat. I want you to slay it. And then I want you to take the blood of that lamb and goat and apply it to the doorpost. Uh, and also uh, up on top, you know, either side of the doorpost and up on top of the doorframe. Uh, I want you to put the blood of the lamb on there. That way the death angel will pass over your house and not take your son. You don't have to fate. You can escape the wrath of God by applying the blood of the lamb to the doorpost. And then he said, and then I want you to eat that lamb that night. Don't save any for the next day. You consume it that night, eat it in a hurry. Why? Because it's going to be a jailbreak. I'm about to bust you out of here. When God is ready to deliver you, it doesn't have to be a long process. I've seen people delivered from drugs just like that. Alcohol addiction, just like that. I've seen marriages put back together just like that. Why? Because when God is ready to deliver, he's not worried about time. He can work his power however he wants to do it. And he said, look, I want you to eat it fully dressed. Keep your sandals on. Said you're going to eat bitter salad greens. In other words, you ain't going to boil them down and bake them down and cook them. Uh, you ain't, ain't going to season up them turnip greens. You're just going to eat them raw. You're going to hurry up and eat it because you, you don't have time to cook them. And he said, and you're going to eat bread. You're going to eat bread, but you're not going to put yeast in it because you're not going to have time to let that bread rise because we're going to get out of here. I'm telling you, we're about to bust out of Egypt. So eat flat bread, okay? And they called it the bread of suffering because it was representative of their suffering, the fact that they had to get out of slavery, right? So later on in, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, he actually implements this as a, an annual event, okay? Everyone still with me? He said, so basically this was the general rules. This is like a, a general rule of how Passover would take place. Now, what I did is I added, I kind of added the days of the week per our calendar, okay, just to help us realize what typically would go on. He said, every year on the 14th day of Abib, which was the first day, the first month of their Hebrew lunar calendar, right? On the 14th day of Abib, you have to celebrate Passover. You have to have this meal, right? And you have to eat it the way that your ancestors would eat it in Egypt. So now the 14th day of Abib typically takes place on, in our calendar, just depending on how the lunar flow goes, uh, in March or in April, somewhere in there, right? Interestingly enough, that's why Easter is usually taking place in March or in April. Why? Because we got to see when Passover takes place, because Easter is tied into Passover, okay? So on the 14th day, now it would always be a Friday, the way that their calendar is set up, it would always be what we would call Friday, okay? Uh, now, I'm, I'm taking our Roman Greco mindset and applying it just to help us understand. Everyone say, Friday the 14th. Friday the 14th. Don't worry about Friday the 13th. Amen. <laughs> need to focus on Friday the 14th. Friday the 14th would be the day of preparation, any Friday would be the day of preparation. Why? Because Saturday would be the Sabbath or the Shabbat. And on the Sabbath, you can't, you can't work, you can't cook, you can't do any labor. 
So that means that on Friday, anything you're going to cook on Saturday or eat on Saturday, you got to prep it. Or if you got things you got to take care of, you got to make sure you prep it on Friday so that on Saturday, it is a rest day. You can't do anything on Saturday, right? And then, especially if it's Passover, because the Sabbath actually starts at sundown on Friday evening. Matter of fact, if you still go over there to visit uh, Jerusalem and Israel, uh, uh, they still, on Friday evening, the Jews, like sundown, they stop working. Matter of fact, you better get to a restaurant early on Friday evening because all the Jews are going to go to the restaurant to have the Palestinians, who are the waiters, <laughs> wait on them, right? Because they can't cook or anything, and they don't want to take the time. They all work now, so they don't want to take the time to cook food on Friday, so they're going to all go out to eat on, on, on uh, Friday night and on Saturday. So you would, you would have to, on Passover, you would have to make sure that you kill the lamb or the goat Friday during the day. And then you're going to eat Passover Friday night. And it was imperative. You remember when Jesus was getting crucified, the priest, you remember, they, they went to Pilate and said, hey, can we break the legs of these guys that are being crucified to, to expedite their death because it's almost Sabbath. And even more so, it was Passover. And so they, they knew that mama had the meal going at the house. They didn't want to be late for Passover meal, right? So Friday the 14th, that evening would be Passover. The, the day would be preparation. You got you to sacrifice the animal then. You would eat it Friday night. Saturday the 15th of Abib would be the Sabbath. So you would rest. Now, Sunday the 16th would be what they call first fruits. Everyone say first fruits. Okay, y'all following with me so far? All right, it would be Sunday the 16th would be first fruits. And that would start the official beginning of the harvest season. And they would start to harvest barley, okay? And so what the instructions were, on Sunday the 16th, the first day after the Passover Sabbath, which would be that Sunday, they would go out and cut a stock of barley, which would be the first fruits of the harvest, right? The first fruits is your first sample of a greater harvest. So you would clip that barley, take it to the priest, he would offer it to the Lord as a wave offering and thank God for, hey, this is a wonderful offering, Lord, and we know that you're going to give us a greater harvest of grain because this starts a whole season of harvesting grain. So it's interesting to think that God actually pulled his people out of Egypt right, during, right at the start of the harvest season because he's harvesting a wonderful nation out of Egypt. He's harvesting back his people. And not only that, not only did the Egyptian military get decimated at the Red Sea, but their labor force that would have been helping with the harvest left town. So it decimated Egypt, <laughs> you know? Ruined their economy, ruined their defenses. And yet God reaps this wonderful harvest, okay? Now, that starts a week of, they call it the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Feast of the Harvest or the Feast of First Fruit. Because for a week, they had to eat unleavened or, un, or unyeasted bread, right? Flat bread, tortillas, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, for a whole week. And it was the bread of suffering and it was so that they would remember the suffering that they went through in Egypt, okay? 
So that starts the week of Passover. It's the week of first fruits, right? Sunday was the day of first fruits. Now, let's hop to, everyone say it. Shavuot. Shavuot. Shavuot is a Hebrew word that means weeks. Okay? Weeks. So it, it was known as the Feast of Weeks. Now, God gives us specific instructions before they go into the land, uh, the promised land. And he's reminding them, every year you got to celebrate Passover. But after it's Passover, you'll start, uh, you'll start harvesting barley. But he goes on from there. From the day after the Sabbath, meaning the Passover Sabbath, right? Which would have been that Saturday, right? From the day after the Sabbath, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. So you got to count seven more Sabbaths, seven more Saturdays. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later. Now note what Shavuot takes place on. How many days was it from the time that they had Passover in Egypt till they had the Mount Sinai experience? 50. That's what we learned last week, right? Now notice, you're going to celebrate Passover on the same day, and 50 days later, you're going to do this. Then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. There's new grain. They're not going to be harvesting barley anymore. They're going to start harvesting wheat. Now look at what this offering is. They don't go pluck a, a bundle of wheat and wave it. But he goes on to say, from wherever you live, bring two loaves of bread to be lifted up before the Lord as a special offering. Make these loaves. Now they're going to be made out of wheat or flour, make these loaves out of four quarts of choice flour and bake them with yeast. So now they get to have big old yeast bread, right? Big old fluffy bread. Man, you got to love the people of God, the chosen people, because they are not afraid of carbohydrates, right? I get just as excited about all the bread and rolls at Thanksgiving as I do the turkey. They will be an offering to the Lord from the first of your crops. Now, Hot to verse 22, I love this. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along, along the edges of your field and do not pick up the harvest, what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. I love it. The God in his great mercy said, I'm going to be blessing you guys abundantly, but I want to make sure that you guys are taking care of the poor and also the, the foreigners. In one place he said, because I want you to remember that you were once foreigners in the land, and I still took care of you. So you're going to show mercy, and you're going to show grace, okay? Now, so basically, what's going to happen is seven weeks after Passover, seven, which happens to be the number of completion with God, the number of God's completed work, seven, on the seventh day, God... And Genesis rested. Why? Because he completed his works. You know? So seven weeks go by, and on the 50th day, you start celebrating Shavuot, which just means weeks. We've waited seven weeks. We've been harvesting barley. Now we're going to start harvesting wheat, and God wants us to feast and celebrate. And this time, we make two loaves of yeasty bread. And we bring them to God. 
and the priest would wave them. And then from there, you start harvesting. It really starts completing the harvest. You start harvesting wheat, an abundance of wheat. So you start out with one on, on, on the Sunday after the Sabbath, you start out with one bundle of barley, which is first fruits, and you wave it to God. And then by the end of Shavuot, you wind up with a ton of barley and a ton of wheat, because that's how the harvest works, right? So that is from Passover all the way up to Shavuot, it's the harvest season for grain. They would harvest grain, okay? Now, what does that have to do with Pentecost? It's wonderful. You remember how last week we started seeing how from Passover to Mount Sinai was a wonderful model that these guys were taught from the time they were tiny? And then when Pentecost took place, for some of these people, they went, that's what we've been learning about, right? It's the same thing. God instituted a harvest season, and the way to go about a harvest season every year so these people would learn how God operated. So that when Jesus showed up and he played things out exactly the way that they were taught all throughout the Old Testament, they could go, aha, I get it, I see it. So how, how is all of this in play? What's my next slide? All right, so yeah, Shavuot, seven weeks after Passover, you got to begin the harvest, the, the, begin to harvest wheat, the start of the end of the grain. You offer two loaves of bread with yeast. Now this also commemorates, they were fully aware that Shavuot commemorates the giving of the Torah or teaching. Torah means teaching. So what the Jews will do, uh, some of them even to this day, the Jews would read the Ten Commandments on Shavuot, on that 50th day, they would read the Ten Commandments. Why? Because that's honoring the celebration of when the Ten Commandments were given. And then they would also read the book of Ruth. Everyone remember the book of Ruth? If you haven't read the book of Ruth in a while, go home and read it today. It's only about four or five chapters. And, and, and to recap the story really shortly, why would they read the book of Ruth? Because it took place during the season of Shavuot. If you remember, uh, uh, the story was you had Naomi, she had some sons, they all wind up dying. And so she looks at her young daughter-in-laws and says, look, all my sons are dead. Go back home to where you came from. Go back to your families. Go find you another husband or something. And they, uh, Ruth said, I'm not going anywhere. I love you too much. She said, I'm going back home. I'm too old to have any more kids. She said, it didn't matter. Your people will be my people. Your God's going to be my God. And I'm not going to leave. Until, uh, I'm, if, if, if I leave before you die, no, it ain't going to happen. So they go back to Naomi's hometown. And Naomi said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mora. Why? Because I, that's, I'm bitter. It means bitter. I'm bitter. I've lost, all, I've lost my husband. I've lost my sons. I've got nothing. It was not good to be a widow back then, right? Because it wasn't like women could just go out and get a job back in those days. So you were dependent on your husband or at least your kids. And she had nothing left. And so Ruth winds up going to what they call glean in a field. Or she went to go pick up. You remember how we read about Shavuot? That you couldn't harvest the edges of your field. And if any of your workers dropped some, just leave it on the ground for the poor and the foreigners. Well, she fit both of those bills. <laughs> Ruth was poor and a foreigner. But she went to the field of Boaz, 
a guy by the name of Boaz, who just happened to be a close relative of Naomi's, actually Naomi's uh, deceased husband, which means that according to their laws, he, he was pretty much in line to redeem her or he would have the right to marry her. Because he, and that's what you would call a kinsman redeemer. And so that's why he, he told all, all of his workers when he realized who she was and what was going on, he said, hey, make sure you drop a bunch from your bundle and let her get as much as she wants and don't you reprimand her. In other words, he started blessing her, right? Until eventually he does wind up marrying her. And then she's right in the genealogy of Jesus. It's really, really cool how the Lord wedged that in there. But they would read the book of Ruth because it takes place during Shavuot, during the harvesting of wheat, okay? Even that comes into play. How does all this fit in? We need to go get from the cross to Pentecost still, right? Well, it's the journey of Passover to Shavuot. Everyone still with me? Am I boring you yet? I'm trying really hard, trying hard to bore you, right? So Passover, Passover, that, that's all about Jesus. When was Jesus crucified? John the Baptist called Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away all the sins of the world, not just the sins of our nation, but the sins of the entire world. Praise God for that, because that means all the sins committed here in Texas, woo, we can get freed from. When was the Lamb of God slain? On Friday, the 14th of Abib, which was the preparation day for Passover, when you needed, to sl- you needed to kill the lamb to prep for the meal that night. When was he slain? On the preparation day. When all the other lambs in town were getting killed, he was right outside of town at Skull Hill being crucified as the lamb of God for the whole world. Then what happened? They put him where? In the tomb. There you go. And what did he do on the Sabbath, on Saturday the 15th? Nothing. Why? Because it was a Sabbath. Yeah, had he resurrected on the Sabbath, they would have said, what are you doing? Yeah, get back. You can't, you can't resurrect on the Sabbath. You can't work on the Sabbath. They got mad at him because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. <laughs> you know? Uh, so when did he, he was resurrected? Sunday, the 16th, which was first fruits. You remember? Now, why is that significant? Look what Paul has to say about Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23. But the fact is that Jesus, the Messiah, that Christ, the Messiah, has been raised from the dead, and he became the what? First fruits. Man, for the Jews, they all, they, oh, we get it. He became the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep in death. For since it was through a man that death came into the world, it is also through a man that the resurrection of the dead has come. And I apologize, I got the little A and Bs there that, you know, I forgot to like delete when I copied and pasted it from Bible <laughs> Gateway, so just deal with it, right? For just as because of their union of nature in Adam all people die, so also by virtue of their union of nature shall all in Christ be made alive, but each in his own rank and turn. Christ the Messiah is the first fruits, then those who are Christ's own will be resurrected 
at his coming. Now, they're talking about the literal resurrection. You know, when, if I knew when Christ was going to return, if I knew the date and the time and the hour, I would hightail it over to Rockwall, Texas, where both of my parents are buried because I would want to watch them get resurrected. That would be a really cool thing to watch. I just don't know when it is, right? So, but, but we're also talking about spiritual. What is, what is our salvation? It's a death, burial, and resurrection, is it not? So Christ was the first fruits of those who would be resurrected into new life. What took place on Shavuot, or as the Greeks would call it, Pentecost, because the word Pentecost just means 50. Shavuot means weeks. We wait at seven weeks. The Greeks said, yeah, you wait at 50 days. What took place on the day of Pentecost? Over 3,000 people were resurrected spiritually, went through their own death, burial, and resurrection. So Christ was the first fruit of a greater harvest. What has taken place? Guess what? We're still spiritually in the age of Shavuot. We're still wheat getting harvested. Look at the millions of people who have come to a saving knowledge of Christ since the day of Pentecost. Look at the great harvest. And we're still harvesting people in. People are still coming to the Lord. Don't worry about what the, I know there's, you know, we, we can go to polls and find polls and say, oh, Christianity is shrinking. Let me tell you, God will always have a remnant in the land and his word is still true. I don't care what society says. I don't care what polls say. Revival will always take place when his people begin to pray, okay? So I'm telling you, the harvest is still taking place, All right? Everyone still with me? So Jesus was the crucified, uh, he was crucified at Passover, and then, and then on, at Shavuot, you had a greater harvest. Now let's talk about, you remember the bread of suffering, the bread of suffering. You remember what Jesus said at the Last Supper? Take, he broke bread and he gave it, and he said, take, eat this bread, it is my body which is broken for you. He is the bread of life. He is the bread of suffering, right? So Christ is the first fruits. Oh, let's talk about the two loaves of bread. Two loaves of bread that takes place. So over here, you wave the first fruits. Over here at Shavuot, you've got two loaves of bread that you wave, right? Now, the Jews have two explanations for that. And that's actually that they represent the law of God, the two, the two tablets that held, contained the Ten Commandments, not the 15 Commandments, Howard, that Howard was talking about, uh, uh, was it History of the World? <laughs> Mel Brooks. <laughs> These 15 Commandments, 10 Commandments. <laughs> but, the two, but, but in other words, they represented the law of God. They represented the law of God, Right? Also, the Jews will like, some of the Jews will say they represent Jews and Gentiles because his spirit would be poured out on all flesh now. Not just Jews, but also Gentiles. We see that later in the book of Acts at Cornelius' house. But you've got the law of God. Well, where did Jeremiah prophesy and say that the law of God would now be? In us. Well, what are you going to do with bread? Eat it. What did Jesus say? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Take, eat this bread. It's my body, which is broken. 
what, so what are you doing? You're taking the law of God. You're getting it in you. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the manna that fell from heaven. He is the law. In the beginning was the, the word, the logos, and the word became flesh. Well, I thought that the Holy Spirit was going to be put in us. Ah, the beauty and the wonder of trying to figure out this whole triune God. You know, the, the, <laughs> you know de- this God manifested his Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How does it all work? Yet it's all still God. Look what he said about the Holy Spirit. This is coming from Jesus. He said this about the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. You don't need a big list of rules anymore. Why? Because the word of God, the Holy Spirit that is living in you, will lead you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. Well, who was living with them then? Christ was. And later he will be where? In you. So the Holy Spirit is still the the Spirit of Christ. He said, I've got to leave, but I'm going to send the comforter down. I'll send my spirit back to live in you so that all the things I've taught, he can teach you. Why? Because he's only going to speak what he hears the Father say. Well, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I can only speak what the Father tells me to speak. So he's operating as Christ in us, right? So, So that's what these two loaves represented. Now let's let's go back to uh, let's go back to uh, uh, what else? Let's see what else. Barley versus wheat. You're resurrecting barley, and now all of a sudden you start resurrecting wheat. Do you realize the Hebrews saw barley as symbolic of uh, outer good, out, like outward good, works, good deeds. That's what barley represented to them. Well, that's what the law is all about. How to serve God and worship God outwardly and how to serve and conduct yourself with each other outwardly. Wheat represents inner good for the Jews. They see wheat as representing inward good. All the things that don't necessarily exist outwardly, but they're inner things like love, Peace, joy, patience, endurance. What are all those uh, 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 fruit of? The Holy Spirit. So, So what Christ came, he came to fulfill the law, and now he's putting the law in us at Shavuot or Pentecost. Not only that, Christ had to go through an outward or physical death, burial, and resurrection so that we have the freedom over here at Pentecost or Shavuot to go through a spiritual death, burial, and resurrection. What he took care of on the outside, he now performs on the inside for us. It's pretty wild. Look at all the dots that start connecting. You still with me? We're almost wrapping up. In closing, you remember what I said when the, when the pastor says in closing, what does it mean? Absolutely nothing. That's what it means. <laughs> no, it doesn't mean two more hours, Howard. I'm not that bad. <laughs> Is that what you said? Did you say two more hours? <laughs> I'm not that bad. <laughs> uh, yeast. Let's talk about yeast. 
So over here at Passover, a week with no yeast. Over here at Shavuot, bring on the yeast, right? What, what in the world's going on with this yeast? Jesus, if you remember, what did he compare yeast to? Teaching, philosophies, mindset. He said, beware the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious folk. And it wasn't so much that they weren't keeping the law, it's the manner in which they were keeping the law. They were doing it for the sake of control. They were doing it for the sake of, of piousness. That they, they just took the whole relationship out of it. And it was just, you know, oh, I'm, I'm holy because I'm doing this, rather than I'm doing this because he's made me holy, right? He's chosen me. Uh, well, if you think about it, they were in Egypt. For a week, they had to go, or, or you know, they, they basically had to, had to do without yeast. God even told them, take it out of your house. Don't even have it in your house for Passover. Why? Because he's wanting them to lose the teaching that they got in Egypt, this world system, this mindset. He's trying to rid them from it. God, I'll tell you this, I believe that God needs to rid the modern day church of some worldly mindsets and some corporate schemes and some, some we, we get really hung up on trying, you know, I don't know why it is that we, please like us, we want the world to like us. How about, the, how about if we just want God to like us? Amen. Amen. And, and let the heathen rage, as the Bible says, you know, let's be God pleasers rather than pleasers of men. But, but now it's as if Christ is saying at Passover, hey, there's a mindset and a religiosity that now I'm doing away with. We're getting rid of the old teaching now, and yet I'm going to establish a new teaching via the Holy Spirit. I have a new covenant. There's a new path carved into my, my covenant on you, and you'll be compelled to follow them via my spirit. So now you enter into the covenant simply by faith. So it's getting rid of old teaching. Now there's a new teaching, a new way, a new path, a new covenant. And finally, Ruth. It's awesome that he would have the book of Ruth written right in the middle of Pentecost. Shavuot. Why? Because he is our kinsman redeemer. Is he not? So the whole book of Ruth is talking about what he was intending on doing at Pentecost, when he poured out his spirit upon all flesh. Let's all stand. Say, okay, well, what does that, how does that apply to me? I see a bunch of dots connecting. What can I take away from it? Well, you can take a whole lot away from it, but I'll tell you this. Your salvation, the plan for your salvation goes all the way back to the fall of man. God knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was, so, he was so intentional of getting you saved, of connecting with you, that he would allow generations of people to practice a culture and traditions that would root his pattern into their minds to such a degree that when a couple of thousand years later, when he shows up on the scene as Christ and he carries out his redemptive work and the exact same pattern that he had taught for years and years and years to his people, that all of a sudden they could realize that their salvation is so rooted into the history of this world. Your salvation goes far deeper than what you realize. It is far stronger than what you could even imagine. And he is far more serious about it 
than the most serious one of all of us in this room. That's a powerful salvation. That's a powerful relationship. That he would love you so much, not just to save you from your own sins, but to provide a way that we can have true relationship with him via the Holy Spirit. That we don't have to live our lives trying to, to live up to some list that a preacher hammers out for you. But we can live our life in a daily practice. And we'll, we can know what to do because the Holy Spirit's living, living in this. Here in, the, here in the next few weeks, we're going to start doing a deep dive into the Holy Spirit because I want, I want us all to know how to walk in the Holy Spirit. I love it. Hal walked in today. We gave each other a big old hug. I said, how are you doing? He said, man, he said, I'm, I'm surviving via the Holy Spirit in my life. And he goes, and I would hate to know what life was like without him. I love it. What does that mean? It means that he talks to God daily. He's interacting. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. How do you do it? Via the Holy Spirit. And it was such an intense thing for these people because all of a sudden when, they, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they started putting two and two together and started realizing, wait a minute, Christ was crucified on the preparation day and all this. And wow, look at this. We're all getting harvested now. That's what he's talking about. That's what Shavuot is all about. So in order to understand Pentecost, you got to go back to Sinai. You have to go back to even Shavuot. Then Pentecost starts opening back up. All I know is God's up to something. I don't know why he's got us doing a deep dive in preparation for Pentecost, but it's still part of the Easter Resurrection Sunday season. And God's doing some wonderful stuff. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, the most important decision you could ever make today would be to invite him in. Ask him to take control of your life. Let him wash you clean of all of your sins. Or maybe you've wandered away from him. So I used to walk with him, but I've, I've just kind of wandered away and I just... I don't know why, I just found myself here today. Well, it's because the Spirit of God draw, drew you. And if you're in the valley of decision, I can tell you exactly what decision to make. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we just want you to help us to understand the resurrection power that we walk in. That no matter how the enemy has tried to keep us down, no matter what he's done to destroy us, that through your death, burial, and resurrection and our faith in your actions, we are, we are made brand new creatures in you and that we are delivered from the power of sin and death and we now walk in resurrection power and full authority of the kingdom. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. amen. We're going to worship one more time together before we, we're dismissed. Listen, afterwards... I know some of you got masks on. That's fine. We want everyone to be comfortable. A bunch of you are mask-free. That's fine. Hey, if you feel comfortable fellowship and stick around a little bit, we don't have to get out of here immediately. Stick around. Let's love on each other. Let's fellowship and allow God to do some things amongst us. Amen.